When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning. We are live on the Falcons podcast. It is Wednesday morning. It is Saints week. My name is Scott Kennedy. I'm in Atlanta. This guy over here, that's Nick Kendall. He is in Seattle. So we go coast to coast with your uh, your football coverage on this. Nick, how are you doing this morning on a Wednesday before Thanksgiving? I am doing pretty well. We had our first uh, birthing and delivery class yesterday, and uh, that was uh, pretty good, I guess. I mean, it was three hours, and we have another one on Tuesday, but that was fine. They simulated the like, you know, breathing exercises and whatnot, and uh, to simulate like labor, they had us like hold ice in both hands, like just like the, the sensation of pain. Obviously not the same, um, but uh, th- I guess thanks to my dad. I don't know if he's probably watching now, but we used to always, you know, hop in the mountain streams in Colorado where it would be like, 33 degrees or whatever so i'm just sitting there like nothing because i'm used to the cold plunge sensation everybody else is like after like you know three minutes and i'm like are you okay i'm like yeah this i just kind of go blank (laughs) when that happens so i go to my i go to my happy place are you guys trying to go all natural does it sound like no 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 no. okay 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 (laughs) because my wife would say why would anybody do that yeah i mean not to go too far in our you know birth plan we're still two months out right today's 31 weeks um but uh yeah, I know. Whatever Natalie wants is fine. I think we're teetering on the epidural, but uh, that's one that um, whatever she wants, God bless her. Uh, I'm, I'm here yeah. to support. I'm, I'm not the one. I'm a, I'm a teammate, but I'm not the one going through it. Yeah, no. God bless women. That's for freaking sure. Yeah. Um, and on that note, coming in hot this morning, we go live because we like having an interaction with our fans. That's why we go live yeah. on Monday, Monday mornings, Wednesday mornings, and Friday mornings. Not this Friday. Though. We're taking Friday off. Mm-hmm. But Michael Ranquillo coming in from Arizona, getting up early with us. This is a Broncos fan that just supports the effort that Nick and I do on Mile High Huddle that we do here. And Mike, it's it's amazing. It's uh, you know, coming in with a $50 super chat, keeps the lights on. I've got big old lights here. You can usually see them shining out of my forehead. So it keeps my forehead nice and shiny. Uh, it means a lot to us. It helps us do more of these type shows. It encourages us to do more of these type shows. And the numbers that we're getting on 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 VOD, on uh, on podcasts, uh, everything on live watches keeps growing, and we appreciate it, and we appreciate what you do for us, Michael. So thank you so much. Yeah, God bless you, Michael. We re- really do appreciate coming in and uh, getting the ball rolling. I know that uh, you were always a big time contributor on the shows for uh, the Broncos stuff, and uh, we get a lot of contributions on that. But uh, the fact that you're supporting us on this Falcons one as well i mean really getting it going um hopefully we can start to open the floodgates there on the uh, falcons contributions but regardless we're here we're having fun we're talking ball yeah breaking the ice breaking the ice for us john harrell comes in one of the big supporters of the show he's here as well good morning good morning scott and nick and falcons family beat the saints 
Um, before I say the lows, I like to get this out of the way quick. The things that we want to talk about today. So, hey, do I want to listen to this show or not? Um, I want to hit on Shaq Leonard uh, just for a moment. I want to hit on Justin Fields. I know, Nick, you've been really watching Justin Fields here. Like, oh, my God, this is he, this is becoming a thing here, the way he's starting to play. We'll talk a little bit about that. Then we'll get into the New Orleans Saints. Uh, not just the game, the matchups, the state of the teams, but almost the state of the teams win or lose. You know, how long would this win satiate you, so to speak, if it were to happen? Would you feel any different, uh, you know, or is this just, uh, you know, a waiting? We'll get into all those things. Want to say hello to Pamela Johnson. Pamela says, good morning, Scott and Nick. Rivalry weekend. Uh, go Falcons. Pamela, it's great to see you this morning. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Brian Dunn, he's over on YouTube. Good morning, Nick and Scott. And he, he, he's already saying hello to Michael. He said he's coming in huge. Good morning, Michael. And yes, Michael's coming in hot with the uh, with the $50 Super Chat. So thank you so much. And just a reminder, um, this is a really good community about making sure to hit those likes and those shares. When I go back and check Facebook comments and stuff, I see all the shares that you guys are doing. Uh, all the likes, we get, you know, a lot of likes on our on our YouTube uh, stream. Certainly appreciate it. it. It certainly helps. So nice reminder from uh, from Brian Atlanta Dog eighty eight. It bothers me, Nick, that up in Seattle, the Huskies call themselves the Dogs. That's a Southern thing. It is mm -hmm. totally a Southern thing. You're not the. It's D A W G because that's how we talk. Mm -hmm. T A W K yeah. down here, Dogs. Washington Huskies, God bless you. You can do your own thing, but you're not the dogs. The dogs are in Georgia. I won't fight you one bit on that. Maybe they'll meet in the playoffs and you know Huskies get beat out. I'm not by... a Georgia fan. I went to Auburn. I know. Yeah, I know. But I, I know. will fight for the dogs. On that one, for sure. I no horse in this fight. I will say I have not been to both stadiums, but it'd be and I know that, you know, between the hedges, pretty incredible down there in Athens. I've heard Athens is one of the best college towns, cities in the country. Uh, but It'd be pretty hard to beat out the uh, the sail gating that you have going on at the uh, Washington Stadium with a view of Rainier in the background. Yeah, Washington's and... awesome. Like I said, this isn't against anything Washington yeah. Huskies. Love them. Yeah. I got the mascot's cool. The mm -hmm. the the locale is cool. Um, you know, and and they they had some tough times, and they were really good when I was growing up. You know, in the eighties mm -hmm. and nine in early nineties, they were really good. All the respect in the world, but dog, that's Southern man. Just Different. like when you say USC, there's only one USC. Don't bring that to me with South Carolina. You're you're South Carolina. Yeah, there's one gone. USC in college football, and they're out just a little bit under that, that Washington team down in Southern California. So, Big Ten country. <laughs> yeah, Big Ten country. That's right. Big Ten country is all country now. Raymond Collins, good morning, fellas. Happy Thanksgiving to you. To you as well, Raymond. Keith Robbins, uh, he is is here. Look at he's with the Michigan. <laughs> Speaking of Big Ten country, he's got a new. Uh, a new screen profile shot here. The Michigan cheetahs. That's, that's actually pretty funny. Um, you know, if you can't laugh at yourself, who can you yeah. laugh at? I can't um, wait for that game, man. I know, I know, I know we're not going to get any, any dog complaints from, uh, from Dominic Caramillo. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick, uh, Falcons nation, dog nation, dog Scott Washington for speaking of Washington for the playoffs going in, going to be a good one. Is that set? What's how can that be? No, set? no, no, no. We we still got a week of regular season and a week of the uh, uh, yeah that the conference championships. But yeah, they, that that won't be set. Uh, college football playoffs came out yesterday, and they had Washington jump Florida State because Florida State's quarterback got seriously injured. Now Florida State's undefeated, so if they continue to be undefeated, they probably have to be in. Yeah. But they might be a sacrificial lamb. Which again, it's really too bad the twelve team playoff came 
a year late because this is typically you don't have a year where there's like eight teams that are pretty deserving for like, you know, that three, four spot. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I'm honestly, no offense to Florida state, but because of the uh, Jordan Travis injury, I hope they lose because I don't want them in the playoffs. I, I was all for it before he got hurt, but we'll see what happens now. Um, so yeah, it, it would be, be, there's, there's some good teams in there. This should be, should be a compelling, a compelling college football playoff this year. Nando Barrington coming on Facebook. Good morning, Scott and Nick. Good morning to you. Ryan is, is calling you out here. He's saying, oh, sure. When the Broncos are, are, are winning now. Nick, Nick is uh, all happy and glad. I, I haven't really noticed that big a difference. Nick's, Nick's a pretty cheerful dude. If you watch him at night after a full day of caffeine, it's like Nick, times two so i can tell if i'm watching a morning show at six in the morning for nick thank god he gets up with us or i i need a workout buddy i can't do this mm -hmm. i won't do this on my own uh so nick is a big reason why we have this show um at night when he comes in and he's just talking a mile a minute it's uh that's a full day of caffeine on the on the on the evening shows yeah i don't know i've i mean i got other things going on in the world too that uh, have me pretty excited and cheerful uh, as well. And uh, yeah, so I, was, uh, I mean, the Broncos winning definitely makes those shows a little more enjoyable because it's not like, you know, the same, you know, Russell Wilson's done. What does it look like moving on from the contract? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, but uh, I guess I appreciate that. I'm bringing better vibes or perceived better vibes now. Um, so Appreciate Brad that. Clark says, good day, everyone. I'm ready for a big win this week. Hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving tomorrow. Thank you, Brad. Dave's given, given props to Michael as well. Good morning, Dave. How you doing? Uh, the beam, this feels, the bean, sorry. Uh, that's my stigmatism, everything. Everything kind of looks like this to me, y'all. It has a shadow behind it, so the ends kind of look like M's to me. <laughs> I don't have my glasses on. Um, if Atlanta continues in this bad direction, do you see them going for broke for a new quarterback? I think it's a pretty good class. Let's uh, let's stop with the hellos for just a moment, and let's get into this a little bit, because you said one yeah. of the things we were going to talk about was Justin Fields. Justin Fields is the type of quarterback you would want to start building a team around. However, the Chicago Bears are going to have the option to reset a contract, possibly, be on a rookie deal, and a guy who is probably coming out a better prospect than Justin Fields was when he was coming out. I would have had Trevor Lawrence one. I would have had with the number two pick at the time. Now I probably would have gone Micah Parsons, but the number two pick at the time, I would have taken Justin Fields. And that's where I, I, I've said it a hundred zillion times. So this isn't revisionist history. I would have gone Justin Fields number two. However, at this same time, there'd be a real debate on who would be number one overall. I'd probably still go Trevor Lawrence, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Caleb Williams, Drake May in those orders, one, two, three, and, and Justin Fields would be behind there. And you've got a chance to reset the way Justin Fields is playing right now. That also gives the Chicago Bears the opportunity to trade him for a first and change. You know, when we started talking about this around week four, we were talking about, yeah, Justin Fields is worth a first round pick. Now it might be a first rounder and more. And then you can maybe, you know, get Caleb Williams and uh, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. or something along those lines. Um, but we'll see. Should the Falcons be willing to trade significant draft picks, high draft picks, multiple, if they decide, the Bears decide, no, we're going to go with Justin Fields and we're going to swing for the fences on this, on this uh, number one pick, 
I want three first rounders and change to go number one overall. Should the Falcons look into doing one of those two things? They should be looking at other all the avenues to add a quarterback right now. Uh, luckily, we still have seven games left, uh, maybe more, uh, to see what Desmond Ritter has, and he kind of can determine his own fate uh, here still down the stretch, although the opening sample size is not uh, something that you should bank on completely, uh, but he's definitely still has a chance you know, to keep him out of it. I don't know if I'd give a first round pickup for Justin Fields right now, Scott. And the big thing is, is because the years of cost control have pretty much, you're going to have to get him and make a decision on that fifth year option pretty quickly, which is very expensive for a quarterback and get hundred percent guaranteed. And he's again, the injuries have just been injured left and right. I, I think multiple day two picks are possible. Kind of the uh, Sam Darnold um, trade when he went from the jets to Carolina. Uh, but I could see a team with one of those late first rounders giving it. I don't know if I give like a top 20 pick where you're getting a first round graded caliber player up for that, but uh, it's fields has been playing really well uh, this last week. He's also somebody who can have a big uh, determinants of what happens with him down the stretch here. Uh, but he was hitting explosive plays. He was being utilized as a runner. The boot game action was really good in this as well. And uh, I've been on a real explosive play kick, Scott, just kind of going into the data on that. And it's really crazy how deterministic explosive plays are to who wins and loses football games. Uh, and Justin Fields, because of his ability to run and the downfield hunting, is an explosive play machine. Needs to be better, obviously, in the down-to-down. The quick game is not great for him. Uh, but when you can run the ball, you can mitigate that some, and he is an explosive play guy. So I would really keep an eye on what the market is for him. Uh, you have the pieces in place right now to set a quarterback up, and he's already gone through a bit of you know, those reps, the, the, the live reps, the the tough stuff early on. So I think he'd be a great fit. I know it's somebody that we both were big fans of in that first draft we covered together. Uh, looking back, I probably did not, the release is a little bit long on, and that's some of the quick game issues. And I did not uh, account for that enough um, in the mechanical side of things, but he's playing really good football and I'm excited to see what he does down the stretch here. Red Swarm says, I disagree, Scott. I do not think that Justin Fields has performed since entering the NFL at a level that warrants a first round pick. I agree with Nick. Um, that seems contradictory because I think Nick agrees with me that it would take a first round pick to pry Justin Fields away from the Chicago Bears. Or did you just say otherwise? And I missed it. I think multiple uh, day two picks. I think it's the Sam Darnold one. That being said, like a team that's picking like 29 might be, I, like, I would not give up like 10 for Justin Fields. But if you're like late end of the first round, that's something I would consider there. So it's a tough position for the Falcons to do that. I just know how quarterback crazy this league gets mm -hmm. and Justin Fields is a still a pretty good quarterback. Um, get him out of Chicago or, you know, when they change coaches in Chicago, it looks like they're getting there. It looks like yeah. they're on the, on the, they're on the brink of this. But again, would I rather have reset with a, a quarterback like Caleb Williams or Drake may, and then extend my window for five years um, and then I could trade and they're in such a good spot because of that trade that they had last year. I mean, they're, yeah. they're in such a great spot. They could literally come out of this thing with one with Marvin Harrison jr. And four first round draft picks. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's really going to be, to be fun to watch that one. Um, but I think as the Falcons, just real quick on the Justin Fields conversation, because of that, uh, extra day two pick coming your way because of the Calvin Ridley deal. I would be totally fine trading a two this year and the Ridley pick uh, for Fields, uh, maybe even throwing you know, a future third as well. But I don't know, unless the Falcons make the playoffs and you're picking late, um, I don't know if I'd be willing to part with that first 
right now. But we, uh, same thing with Desmond Ritter. We still have seven games left to see Fields play, and he looks looked pretty good in that game against Detroit. He looked really good against Washington. He looked really good against Denver. Uh, so there's been some games adding up this season uh, for them. Their offensive line is starting to come together. It's finally been healthy. They still need work at center. Uh, and DJ Moore slash Cole Komet looks like a pretty good wide receiver uh, tight end duo there. So again, right now, I probably would not give up that first round pick, uh, but it's trending that way. I do want to add one small caveat uh, to this. I think it is since week five, Detroit's defense has really gone in the pooper. Um, they've actually, it's kind of a trend worth monitoring here. I believe they're 31st in EPA per play since week five. The offense has been humming, but Detroit's defense has kind of massively regressed. Uh, so and Fields had a great game against them. So we'll see what it looks like against other teams, but worth monitoring. Uh, you guys looking for a quarterback? The Falcons Fields are in the market for a quarterback. That's yep. it, it. That's without doubt. Whether they're able to, just like an edge rusher, they the Falcons have been in market for two edge rushers for the last three years. The right opportunity yep. hasn't presented itself to them. And again, I, I saw a comment in here. You know, no more retreads. I forgot who it was. Uh, let me see in here. I can if I can do it and I'm not I'm not calling you out on this negatively I just wanted to use this as an example I I can't find it but someone someone in the chat says uh no more retreads and I'll end up finding it um just draft a first round quarterback well the worst thing you can do is reach on a player especially a quarterback there's two guys in here that are you jump over the moon for after that there's question marks Mm mm-hmm and the Falcons, if they're sitting there 10 to 12 and they reach for a quarterback, you could set your franchise back another three years. Mm-hmm. So don't just reach for, I don't want them to just get draft a quarterback in the first round. I want them to get a first round quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what they're going to need. So, you know, whether or not they're able to do that, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to do that in the draft. So would you be better off making a trade for Justin Fields if he's available? Let's get on the horn to Arizona Cardinals, see about Kyler Murray. Um, and then we talked about Kirk Cousins. If you're looking for a one-year bridge starter because the right quarter, young quarterback isn't available, you could do a hell of a lot worse than Kirk Cousins. You start looking at all those EPA charts and efficiency charts and all these type of things, and Kirk Cousins is way up here in the top right. Desmond Ritter's way down here in the bottom left. You don't think mm-hmm. he'd make a difference? This is an 8-2 and two team with Kirk Cousins this year. Yeah, people is. are complaining. I, you know, I've seen, oh, well, I guess we just cap our ceiling in the second round of the playoffs, and that'd be it. I'm like, we haven't been in the playoffs in seven years. What are you snobs talking about? What, where where do you get the 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 gall, <laughs> the gall to 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 flip your nose up winning a playoff game? Yeah. There haven't been many of those in the history of this franchise. And I think it's also worth emphasizing that this isn't just a purely we're done with him Justin Fields situation. If Carolina was picking, let's say the Bears ended up with a third and fourth pick in the draft or the fourth and fifth pick in the draft, they're not moving up for Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams, because they have right. Kirk Cousins, or they have Justin Fields, who I think they're still excited about overall. I mean, you can see the talent. It's still very much there, uh, but it's the situation of resetting the contract, which is a big deal for the quarterback, and getting a quarterback that doesn't have any scar. T- I guess Caleb Williams actually probably does have some scar tissue from USC. But anyway, uh, the doesn't have the some of the stuff from the league so far. And uh, also probably somebody you can reset with a new coaching staff, which I think is important. Uh, Not somebody who's already here, but a coach who's involved in the process to bring in that new quarterback. So it's not, this is not a dump off quarterback. He's still 
talented and people will want him, which is why you come back to that potential first round pick there. I'll, yeah, I, I think, I'll wait and see still, but I, I think possible. if he's moved, I think they get a first rounder for him, but um, definitely possible, but we'll, we'll, we will see. We may never know um, yep. the way it works out. Uh, anonymous reviewer coming in with a $5 super chat. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the support. And one of the things that, that why have the Falcons, why do you think the Falcons overachieved with such a threadbare roster the last two seasons? One was penalties. Two was turnovers. They limited both. Three was injuries. Hmm. They were rather, you know, relatively injury lucky, so to speak. Um, but this one, you know, an honest reviewer says, the year of the injuries, Caleb Huntley is out for the season. Caleb Huntley probably wouldn't have made this team and at best would have been a practice squad guy. So I'm not too worried about this one. Avery Williams is a bigger miss than anybody ever realizes. When you start looking at special teams play and you look down and see worst return punt returns in the NFL are now the Atlanta Falcons when they had the best return man. That's, that's a big deal. It's, it's not quite a turnover a game because, you know, he's getting maybe 25 returns of a return and a half, but we're talking, that's like having an extra personal foul. 15 to 20, 25 yards a game. That's almost 10% of your offense that, that you're losing there and field position. Not only that, Nick, you're a punting guy. The decision-making on when to field and when not to field the ball is hidden yardage. that doesn't even show up in the return game that has been killing the Atlanta Falcons in special teams. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I special teams has been poor uh, on the Falcons. It's something that uh, drives me nuts because I've seen the value of it now watching the Broncos this year, but watching Iowa the last, you know, six years, the only reason they win half their games is because the special teams and the hidden yardage. So it has been uh, very frustrating. And you are correct. Um, talking about losing Avery. I mean, he's been one of the best special teams players in football. That was what, what a great fifth round pick. I believe it was fifth or sixth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think from, the Falcons had three. There were three fifth round picks in there, and he was one of them. Um, he was somebody that was on almost every single one of my mock drafts to the to the Broncos when that happened because I loved the special teams ability. Um, and he was a Bronco, really, Boise State Broncos. Yes, it just made Boise sense. State. Yeah, Orange I know. <sighs> Too bad, uh, but uh, no, he's been a great player and a big miss uh, for you guys this this season, yep. no doubt. I'm talking about losing Grady, uh, losing Troy Anderson early. Uh, Kyle Pitts lingering injury, Cordero Patterson with a lingering injury, and he hasn't been really an asset to this team. Uh, Cordero, if you think about, okay, I'm going to take Cordero Patterson out of this offense, how do you win seven games the last two years? Cordero Patterson's a big reason why. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Cordero Patterson wasn't on the team playing like he's played the last two seasons, this might be a three-win team instead of a seven-win team. So that's been a big loss. And then and D. Alford's lingering. Um, he's played. He's played pretty well. But yeah, there's been... There's been some sneaky injuries in there that people don't necessarily talk about. And, and one of them in there is, is, is Avery. It's Avery Williams. Because, again, I mentioned, you know, let's say you, you're averaging 350 yards of offense. And I said, okay, 16 yards. That's more like 5%. Okay, that's 5% of your offensive total in field position. How many times are we watching guys field the ball on the three and, and get tackled? Okay, if that bounces in the end zone, that's 25 yards of field yep. position. Yep. There's 8% of your total offense for the day right there. 
man, that's huge. Yeah, that is huge. We talk about fine margins. Say, oh, yeah, I can increase your output by 10%. I increase your output by 10% in, in the NFL. I'm going from four wins to 10 wins. Yeah. And one thing I'm looking everywhere for this data point, Scott, I've been hammering people who make these dashboards to include it in one of these ones. Uh, but a really key metric, um, I know in college football for wins and losses, and this is it's further down the line of what happens in a football game, but it's still a key metric is that average starting field position. It's crazy how often that ends up being wins that wins the game. Um, it should be up there with like turnovers and stuff, but it is that correlates. Well, I'd like to see that on a chart with three and outs. Yes. Three and outs big. Um, it's, it's a big one for winning as well. Obviously it, it is a little down the line because it combines two of the most important things, special teams and turnovers. If you are good in those two areas, typically you have, close to the best field starting average starting field position. And you talked about, you know, 25 yard difference. Well, now you're starting on the 30, 35, some drive starting of enemy territory. I mean, that's, that's huge, it's, especially it's in today's subtle, game. But we, we talk about it all the time. Let's say you're pinned back into your five and you get a couple first downs out of there. And all of a sudden you're punting from the 35 instead of the five. You're like, Oh, well at least they flipped the field. And that's almost as good as a score. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of the other team getting the ball at the 50, they're getting the ball in, inside their 20. That's, that's huge. That's why I say the three and outs. I'd like to see how that yeah. correlates. You know, it was a couple of weeks ago. Oh, the Falcons starting field position has just been terrible. It's been terrible. It's been terrible. I don't have any first downs. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to get your way out of there to flip the field. And if you're just going three and out every time, of course, you're going to have bad field position when you're starting at the 10 and punting from the 12, three mm-hmm. straight times. So appreciate you, anonymous reviewer. Thank you for coming in with the support, yeah, my friend. You. Brandon Swank comes in. We're going to move on from uh, from Justin the Justin Fields talk. But yes, the Atlanta Falcons should be interested in Justin Fields. Will they be? And how how interested? I don't know. But the Atlanta Falcons are in the market for a quarterback in 2024. Could end up being Ritter again. We'll see. But he needs competition. He needs legit co- competition, whether it comes in with a veteran or a draft choice. The Falcons are in the market for a quarterback. Um Pretty good player got waived yesterday. He says, um, is our chances with Ritter high or low to make the playoffs? It's so helter-skelter, man. Ask me on Monday after they play the Saints. Because mm-hmm. uh, they'll be in first place. They they beat the Saints at home with the, the divisional tiebreakers. And with the Colts' big release of Shaq Leonard, do, do the Falcons try and grab him? Nick, what, what are your thoughts on uh, the latter? Darius Leonard, for me, would have to pass through waivers completely. He goes first. by Shaq now. Shaq. Excuse me. Been yes, two years. Uh, I just can't remember. I thought he was Shaq and then went to Darius. <laughs> well, he was Darius and now he's Shaq. Okay. L- Leonard um, has been very injured and uh, a backup here for the Colts for a number of years and has a massive contract. He would have to pass through waivers and come in on a pretty cheap contract. I don't think anybody's going to pick him up on the deal that he is. So I would expect him they, to pass. They wouldn't be on the hook for that. They it's would not be. guaranteed money. They, they so would, they would be, contract. they would be liable for the 6 million for the rest of this season and then they could cut him after this season and not be liable yeah. for anything. So it would be a six million investment. Yes, it's, that's still a at Which this is point still a good season, bit of money for the final third of the season. Yes, exactly. So I think he still will probably pass through waivers at the end. Uh, I don't know. I guess we could see a team like the Cowboys at the very bottom who have been missing linebackers maybe make that move, especially with Leighton Vanderish's injury. Uh, but for the Falcons, if he passes through waivers, I don't think there's an issue approaching him. Uh, but I don't know if that's a move that really moves the needle so much for where the Falcons are at right now. I mean, I think uh, Landman's been playing solid football uh, overall. Ellis has been fine. I mean, I'm not really, it's not, I'm not coming away from these games. Like, Oh my God, the linebackers are horrible. Um, What are we going to do on the Falcons? That's, that's not been my takeaway. I think the, 
run defense in the front seven has been fine. I mean, you can still hunt for talent, no doubt, but that's why I'd be still, you know, maybe making a call if he does pass through waivers, but it's, it wouldn't be a priority for me. The Falcons would have the financial flexibility to put a claim on him and sign him. Um, but I think one, they'd be better off taking that $6 million and rolling it into next year's cap uh, yeah. and using it on free agency next year. Two, as Nick said, he is an inside linebacker who is a really good one, but was. that's not what the Falcons, yeah, was a really good one who mm-hmm. you know could be considered. He's been battling some pretty scary injuries like back. That's that's scary, a back injury. Um, and three, if I let him pass through waivers, he's not signing with the Atlanta Falcons. It'll be up to him then. He's a free agent. A free agent at this stage of the of the season isn't signing with a four and six team that's underachieving massively. That's the that's just the way it works. He's going to go look at a team. How like I said, talk to me again on Monday. Hey, we're in first place. We could really use you. Okay, maybe the narrative changes a little bit, but these guys don't sign with teams playing like the Falcons. They go and sign with teams that aren't looking at a top twelve draft pick right now. They look at ones that are pretty much locks locks for the playoffs. Um, Thomas asked, good morning. If Arthur Smith stays next year, do you think he gets uh, reined in and we get a legitimate offensive coordinator to call plays? It wouldn't surprise me a bit if he you can you can afford to sacrifice your coordinators one time usually. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if a change was made for Dave Ragone. It's not Dave Ragone's fault. He'd be scapegoated on this thing, but again, what are you doing here? He's a quarterback's coach, so he, he does work with those guys on a day-to-day basis. Um, but it wouldn't totally surprise me to see to see an offensive coordinator brought in and maybe turn over play calling duties. Um, I might be more surprised than not, though, if Arthur Smith and his ego went that direction. Um, so I'm talking out both sides of my mouth. Do I think it's possible? Yes. Do I think it's probable? No. Yeah, and uh, just a english thing oh never mind we're good i thought it said resigned uh resigned but yeah no arthur smith could just totally uh, give up play calling duties uh this season he's gonna go down swinging this year though and he's still got seven games so we'll see how it plays out here with a very easy schedule for the falcons down the stretch relative to uh other teams and yeah here's jason b saying i don't want yeah here just... it was it was jason i was looking higher yeah. up in there um go ahead nick yeah he says just draft a first round quarterback i don't want any retreads the issue with this year's class, how it's, and we still got games to go. We'll see, but it does seem like there are two quarterbacks that are going to be first round grades. And then after that, you're going to have day two grades who are going to be elevated because it's the quarterback position. I uh, would keep an eye on Bo Nix still. Uh, Jaden Daniels, I've seen his comments in here. Uh, he's definitely somebody that uh, a lot of fun, a lot of explosive plays on there. That's what it's about. I, it's really hard to watch him for me, Scott, because I feel like he's just going to get snapped in half every time I watch him because he's so rail thin. Uh, and then also you do want to keep an eye on uh, Carson Beck as well. We had that conversation like last Friday. and I can't believe I didn't bring up Carson Beck. I haven't watched too much Georgia, honestly, this season because they feel inevitable still. Uh, but I'll have to watch him come the playoffs anyway. But uh, no, yeah, he's Carson Beck is somebody who's really started to figure out as well and a really a good distributor of the football. So Daniels, Bo Nix, uh, Jaden uh, and uh, Carson Beck names to keep an eye on some, one of those guys I think will probably end up being quarterback three. And I see R- Ryan Adonis talking a lot of cam ward. I like cam ward coming into the season. Uh, to be honest. 
Uh, no, that's Cam that? Rising. Cam Ward is uh, from Washington State. He transferred there two years ago from Incarnate Word. Uh, I remember him playing that, you know, Texas, uh, whatever division that is. And um, yeah, Cam Ward, I thought he was maybe he's taking some steps forward this year, but uh, then he regressed back in a big time in a big way. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe a day three kind of pick on him, but I'm not over the moon uh, with his ability. He's somebody that, you know, if you're talking day three, though, uh, possible. Honestly, some guys that I'd maybe keep a little bit more of an eye on uh, for this Falcons team. If you're talking day three quarterbacks, uh, Michael Pratt is somebody who really, really interesting from Tulane. I think he'll probably be down at the, uh, the senior bowl. I've been impressed with him. Uh, we'll see what happens with uh, Michael Penix Jr. He might be a late day two, early day three kind of guy. Um, also, maybe it's just because I love the Giants out here at quarterback, but uh, it'd be kind of fun to see what uh, KJ Jefferson can do. Again, we're talking day three picks. Guy's not likely to hit, uh, but I think Arkansas has been disheveled and KJ is just a unique hoss in the pocket. So again, day three, it's a lottery pick, um, but he has something that is interesting and that is the size to arm talent. Some Jaden Daniels talk in here, and I'll tell you what, y'all, if the Falcons are in the 8 to 12 range again, I did a mock draft. Someone else just tagged me in their mock draft. We both got the same guy at number eight using two different systems. He was on like PFN. I was on PFF. Do you know who that was, Nick? We both got the same guy. At eight overall? At eight. Man, uh, you're putting Who would you think would be the least likely for me to draft in that spot? Probably a wide receiver. Probably. Brock Bowers. <laughs> oh, Brock. Oh, tight end. But he fell to eight. I'm like, dude, I can't pass Brock Bowers at eight. No. And, and then we both Chargers took quarterbacks Smith. in the second yeah. round spot because there will be some pretty good quarterbacks available on early day two, you mm-hmm. know, where, where you get those guys. Jaden Daniels. There's a lot of talk for here in this. And again, and, and um, you know, someone else came in. It may have been anonymous from Uber right here. says the Falcons are going to grab an edge in the first next year. Man, if he's not there, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Falcons have had top have had top uh, four eight eight have been the last three picks and you know Micah Parsons is a hindsight pick there wasn't really anybody talking about taking Micah Parsons at four at the time it was other guys that they were so I'm not counting him because again yeah. overall if, if you were doing a redraft Micah Parsons probably goes number two behind Trevor Lawrence quarterback still gets the the nod it's just kind of the way it is made a pro bowl in his second year he's young he's a quarterback he's still going number one overall Micah Parsons goes number two, but nobody was talking about Micah Parsons. That so I, I don't count him. So at four eight eight, there just wasn't that edge to to that that was a no doubt that this is a guy you have to go. And I'm not sure there's going to be one at eight again this year either. Is the problem, Nick? Yeah, there are four guys that are worth keeping an eye on, and because the edge spot is. We have the historical data to show how important the testing is for the, that spot specifically. So if somebody comes out and tests like a freak um, after having good tape, I could see them being elevated. I don't see any true blue chipper defensive lineman. Uh, that's on the interior and edge. Uh, but keep an eye on uh, Chop Robinson from Penn State, probably the most explosive edge rusher in this class as far as the burst goes. Uh, Leatu Latu from UCLA is probably your more classic 4-3 guy. He's big, but man, some of his, I think I sent you a, a video of him, Scott, a couple weeks ago, and you said, I'm going to share this with my son to show, like, this is how you use your hands right. to win football games. He's really refined and big mm-hmm. and strong. He has a back injury that caused him to medically retire from Washington and then transfer to UCLA, so that is going to be the key for him uh, coming out of the combine. 
Uh, we have Jared Verse, who's kind of taken a little bit of a hit, but there's a lot of talk that the Falcons loved him last year. Well, he's still out there at Florida State having a good year. Not spectacular, but very good. And then uh, you have Dallas Turner at Alabama as well, who has some immense talent. Not Will Anderson, but uh, very talented guy. So there are edge rushers. I don't know if any of them are worth top 10 picks per se, but I, I do think all of them will go in the first round, barring something medically or background check uh, wise coming up. Um, Jay Black comes in. Uh, he's on the Ritter bandwagon. He says, Ritter's our quarterback of the future people. Why start over with a new draft quarterback putting us back two years? The corporate right now mentality is killing the NFL quarterback situations. Players do not come out of college ready to play. It's very rare. Take the time to develop players. The problem with that, Jay Black, with that type of thought process is you're making an assumption that with enough time, every player will reach the same spot. There's, it doesn't work that way. Mm -mm. Ritter may never develop into the right guy. And then you've put yourself back the time that you spent on Ritter and the time that you have to then go find another quarterback. So uh, I'm okay with this, with your thought process. I just don't want it to be spoken as fact that with enough time, Ritter will develop into the guy. You just have to be patient. That's not a fact. That's a variable, and it's a gamble, and it's a risk. It's a risk right now the Falcons are losing. Yeah, Arthur Smith, and it's not even the corporate right now mentality. It's the, the way it is. Arthur Smith, if he is here next year, that will be it. He's on thin ice as it is. He can't mm -hmm. afford to develop a quarterback in his fourth season. The corporate right now mentality, say what you want to, but you know, I thought about going to the Falcons game. I was like, I don't want to spend $500. You know, as, as fans, you demand a return on your investment on what it costs. So say what you want, but there's no guarantee that Ritter is going to be the Atlanta Falcons quarterback of the future, no matter how much time you develop him. And that's why you need to have the competition. Like I said, the quarterback, the Atlanta Falcons are in the quarterback market, regardless of Desmond Ritter, because he has not shown enough to make you think he's the guy for the next 10 years, Nick. And I don't want to say this is going to head down the Drew Locke pathway for the Falcons here, but I do see a lot of uh, similarities in terms of where the team is at and how things are lining up and the play of Ritter. Um, day two pick, which really is a lottery to pick on the quarterback, given what we know historically about the draft success rate for the position. And you have a coach who, if he is back, he's coaching for his life. Well, what do you do? You trade a six-round pick for a veteran and the coach is going to go with the guy that they know the best and feel the safest with. It feels like a uh, Teddy Bridgewater being the, uh, or T Ryan Tannehill being the Teddy Bridgewater for you guys as Teddy was the guy for the Bronco, the Broncos in that one. And then it's not good enough in the end and you, uh, you lose. So that's the one that I would be worried about. You cannot be, I think that's just like playing it way too soft on that. I mean, you might as well start trying to sell assets that you don't see here long-term in that situation. <laughs> Uh, but I, I do worry that might be the the pathway. If, if Ritter's a really legitimate chance that you cannot bring only him in here, and what does that competition look like for him? It's probably somebody like a Ryan Tannehill where it is a legit competition, and uh, I think you are very capped in your ability. I would not advocate for that, but that just seems like the a likely a probable pathway if you do, do go that way. Jason B asks, so signing Cousins or trading for Fields won't set you back and get everyone fired. Uh, signing Kirk Cousins, again, this going in, let's say going into this year, this team's at worst eight and two 
with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. No, it, it buys you another year of I can afford to. Okay, Cousins gets hurt. We're not going to bring him back. Let's say I'm in the Minnesota Vikings situation right now, where they had a, a huge a huge year last year with uh, with Kirk Cousins. This year he gets hurt. Let's say Josh Dobbs comes in and, and stinks, and they were off to a bad start this year. And let's say that just continued. Well, that season that he had last year will buy him enough goodwill to get him through this bad season. Arthur Smith can't afford another bad one. Now, there's no guarantee, but I like my chances with Kirk Cousins as far as winning now goes better than Desmond Ritter and better than a rookie quarterback. I uh, I don't think that's really, really going out on a limb. And, and yeah, there, there's, about there's talking Arthur. here real quick, Nick. There's there's talking yeah. here about Shaq Leonard and, you know, yeah, he'd be a good addition to this team. But if he clears waivers, I'll say it again. He ain't signing with the Atlanta Falcons. He's a free agent. It's his choice. It's not just, oh, we should sign him. It's not up to you. It's up to him. Yeah, I mean, there, there isn't a draw to Atlanta for sure. I mean, maybe that's something, but we'll see. And I see Smart right in here saying, great show, guys. Let's never try to predict who the Falcons are going to draft. They really don't do what makes sense. So at the ninth pick, Atlanta selects Jake Fry from – uh, Iowa tech, Lo- Loa tech. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I will say smart, right. Not to pat myself on the back too hard, but if you go to the, uh, Friday morning show before day two of the uh, draft last year, we were talking and Scott's like, Oh, who do you think the Falcons will pick Nick? I'm like, Oh, I think Matthew Bergeron would make a lot of sense. And then maybe with the third round pick, maybe somebody like a Zach Harrison. Yeah. There's- we were on the right page. Cause I had, I think what's Steven Ruiz. What's his name? I've already forgotten. TCU guard. S- Steve Avila. Avia, yeah, Steve Avia. He went about four picks before. So yeah. that was my pick, but he wasn't there. And and then Nick was like, you know, I like Matthew Berger on here. So And then um, I said Zach Harrison. <laughs> and then Zach Harrison was the one nailed that one. Um, yeah, he's again, he's not look great, but the, he's a profile that made sense for your defense. So again, uh you never do know because you're going against you don't have all the information and all these other teams are gonna take guys too, but uh, sometimes things line up and you kind of get tendencies and player fits that make sense, guys. So uh um, it's fun. And I think it was red swarm asked me, so oh, you must really like, uh, Justin Fields. I did really like Justin Fields coming out. I thought he was number two overall. Um, would I want to trade a top five pick for him now? No, I wouldn't. Let's again, no. not all, all first round draft picks are created equal. I did really like him coming out. Um, and I'm not willing to write him off as a bust based on what has happened in Chicago. I still see enough good things to think, Hey, the guy that we really liked is still there he's just been stuck in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a question in here. Hell, it may have been from, uh, let him, let him tell, let, why don't you tell him what you do? They, they asked, uh, here it is. C double comes in C double. Good to see you. Nick, you're a smart man. Um, that what you should do, by the way, here, my, my, my I read that initially as, um, what do you do? Why don't you, why don't you tell him Nick is a smart man. What do you do for a living? Nick, besides, have I don't know about us? I don't know about that smart. I work in vaccine trials. Um, I did epidemiologist. So I do a lot of uh, data analysis and stuff and number crunching for clinical trials on the vaccine side of things, mostly HIV vaccines, but also tuberculosis, malaria, uh, the sick bug. I don't know if we're going to be demonetized. Um, yeah, I the- don't, I don't care. We can, he, he does some of that. So, so Nick, Nick's a scientist and, uh, work, works in labs and does all that stuff. Nick, Nick is a smart guy. Uh, he is a smart guy. So it's, it's been a lot of fun getting to know Nick over the course of the last three years that he and I have been working together. 
You're going to make me blush. Uh, get feel of red in my face. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Scott. Uh, Brian Dunn coming in real quick with the super chat. Thank you for the support, my friend. Saw you in here nice and early and uh, been sticking with us the whole show. So I hope you're enjoying the show. We've been talking building the Falcons for about 40 minutes, which we tend to do when you're four and six. So one of the things we wanted to talk about was, was the game coming up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here come the Saints. Now, I did a Saints podcast last night with, I think there was, it was there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen. There was like six of us. Um, I was the only uh, representative of the Atlanta Falcons on that side of things, so I, I let them take their digs. You know, it's their show. Um, but I, I feel like both of these teams are in very similar situations in that both teams feel that their coaching staff and teams are underachieving. Both co- both teams are unhappy with the direction of the team. Both teams are unhappy with the administration. And neither team may come out of this feeling all that much better, even if they win. So that was my question to them. I was like, I got a question for the the Houdat Nation and for Falcons fans. I've posed this question before. Even if you win this game, let's say the Falcons eke out a win against the Saints at home and move to five and six and into first place in the NFC South, does that really change your feeling of the direction of this team and your thoughts about Arthur Smith and this regime? My answer was probably no. Yeah, probably. I mean, if they come out and really, it really depends on Ritter, right? For me, a lot of it is if Ritter looks commanding the offense and he needed that time to, you know, decompress and he's been off now for three weeks and the offense looks efficient. Uh, they're figuring out how to maximize eighth overall pick and Bijan Robinson, which has been you know, a little hit or miss here. I would feel a little different about it going forward because this Saints team, while they are Super Bowl pretenders, I wouldn't say they are playoff pretenders by any means. Now, their offense is. I mean, you look at any of the efficiency charts, they are stuck right in the middle. They're 18, but like teams 15 through 19 are just like right there in the the middle of the X and Y axis. Uh, but this Saints defense is for real, Scott. I mean, they are uh, six overall in EPA per play this year. Uh, they are third in success rate. So this is not a team that is just living off of red zone and turnovers. It is hard to get first downs on them with a success rate like that. Uh, and they are second in the NFL in uh, EPA against the rush. So Dennis Allen still has this defense playing at a really high level. They're much better in a 4-2-5 uh, base with a nickel with Alonta Taylor out there. But uh, it's it's a good division overall and one that it's going to be interesting to see how you match up because this is a Falcons team that still wants to run the football. I think they are 32nd in the NFL on pass rate over expected, which means they run the ball when te- other teams pass it more than anybody else in the league. Uh, and uh, this is a Saints team that's really good at, at taking the runaway. So tough matchup i'm guessing it's going to be a little bit of a rock fight and this is this is a solid team a good measuring stick for the falcons if you win this game you should be the team that wins the nfc south yeah when again and, and jason says and, and ryan adonis says winning the division would be a huge improvement over the last eight and uh, nine years the thing is is eight and nine could win it and it won it last year you were seven and ten last year i i don't see that as a huge improvement i see that as an, a marginal improvement i, I feel like it just happened to be your turn, but eight and nine for me, probably Arthur Smith comes back, but I'm not happy. I'm not Mm -hmm. happy with eight and nine, not with this team, not with this schedule. Um, But that said, this might be what it takes. You could sweep the division and finish eight and nine. Six of your wins could be against the NFC South. Six and oh against the NFC South, two and nine against the rest of the NFL. That doesn't quite sit well with me, y'all. Not with this schedule. 
not with you know I've gone through the quarterbacks that they've played and there's like 15 career starts on the entire on the entire roster now against the Saints Derek Carr is a little bit of a question question mark uh could be Jameis Winston that comes in which you know Jameis Winston has his detractors but the man has about 107 quarterback rating against the Atlanta Falcons by far his highest rating against any team in the NFL higher than the career marks of Tom Brady uh Patrick Mahomes Peyton Manning mm -hmm. to say this guy is better than prime Tom Brady and, and Patrick Mahomes when he plays the Atlanta Falcons is not hyperbole it's actually true I just soon see Derek Carr than Jameis Winston out there y'all yeah it's uh Derek Carr's, they're both, either way, I mean, both probably better quarterbacks than what the Falcons have, but the Falcons do have better weaponry, so it should be a good game, and it's one of those ones that, hey, maybe you had the bye week, you do have coming off that bye, I think the Saints are as well, though, uh, but that's something that should make a big difference, and hopefully you can win that hidden yardage battle and figure out some ways to get the, the run game going and some easy passes for Ritter, because the third and longs, I think, are going to be probably consistent in this game given the success rate and the epa numbers for the saints defense so it'll be a tough one um no doubt this is a saints team and defense that plays really good football rusty Moore coming in five dollars god bless you rusty man you guys are killing it today with the super chats we really appreciate that helps keep these shows going i mean uh it really does uh especially the baby coming we gotta be making some money to waking up <laughs> in the morning but uh he's uh we got rusty coming in saying falcons remind you of the family member who is a something that gets clean uh, as somebody who uses drugs that gets clean promises you every year they're going to stay clean and relapses may 2024 i think you probably already won too many games to do that may 2024 trade and are you wanting to trade you know two or three uh first round picks to move up for may i mean that's we'll see where you end up with that pick but that's going to be very expensive you want to talk about risk um swinging and missing on a quarterback after you trade up for them points towards the Carolina Panthers. Um, that's going to be a, not that Bryce Young's a total miss yet, but my God, um, that's such a terrible move in hindsight. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, tough. I, I've, I've, re I've referred to the Falcons as, as Lucy with the football. Mm. She places it down. Here it is. The Falcons are coming back. Yank. Ah, there goes Charlie Brown every single time, but the heart wants what the heart wants. And when you start seeing glimpses, of improvement you're like here we go i mean do you remember the mood of this team this podcast this group four weeks ago coming out of the tampa bay game at three and what was it three and was, that was the last win so it was four and three at the time going on the road and being a divisional opponent uh handily i might add um you know it was the score was probably close there's probably a bunch of turnovers but it was you know like two to one in in yardage and all kinds of stuff they they dominated that game then they lose three straight against Will Levis making his debut against Kyler Murray making his debut coming off a knee injury against, I don't even remember the guy who started for the Minnesota Vikings because they brought in Josh Dobbs who hopped off the Marta in the first quarter and walked into the stadium and, and, and went in and, and ran plays to lose those three games. I'm not just making this up. I'm not just saying this because I'm, I'm a sports media person. I'm trying to get clicks. This literally is the easiest schedule the Atlanta Falcons may ever, ever face in the history of their existence. Mm -hmm. And they're four and six. It angers me that there's such a wasted opportunity. Nick, what makes me mad? Waste. This is mm. a wasted opportunity. Yeah, the, the government spending and all this. Now, I'm taking a turn here now. 
Uh, but yeah, no, it is frustrating that this is a year that everything's set up. I mean, you finally have the cap off. Uh, that was one of the big reasons that we said all off season Scott's like, yeah, everything sets up really nicely, but like Ritter, we just don't know. And if he's not good, you're not going to be good. And so far he's, it's not been terrible, but like the, the boneheaded decisions from time to time in the fumbles. He, he can't just, do. Yeah. You, he's you also can't been one, turn the ball over. That's nope. basically it. Yep. I mean, look what the Broncos have been doing here as of late. Russell Wilson, you know, in the fourth quarter, he's made some big plays, but really the key has been anything but fumbles. You know, if th- run, run, pass, punt. If it's not a fumble, we're going to be okay. Uh, and with the Falcons, with how easy their schedule is and defense turned around and everything, that would be okay too. But the turnovers have just been mind-blowing. I think that uh, Falcons at Buccaneers game was like the most EPA lost by a quarterback due to fumbles in like the last 20 years or something. Granted, like two of them were on the one yard line, hence why the EPA is terrible when you fumble and lose it. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, don't turn the damn ball over and you have a chance. Bucks raise bolt says as a Bucks fans really care who wins the South Bucks suck. Uh, <laughs> he's Bucks Ray bolts fan. He's ready for uh, he's ready for the draft. Uh, and, yeah, and the thing is, is while we're talking Saints and Falcons, Tampa Bay could sneak right in there and just again, it was one of my favorite things last year was that there was a who's going to win the South. And one of the arguments from the Panthers guy who answered was they were one game out of winning the division last year. Yeah. So were the Saints and Falcons. The division mm-hmm. was eight and nine was what won it. Everybody was seven and ten. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see. Tampa Bay is just kind of hanging around, hanging mm-hmm. around the, the Saints, the Falcons, some it, nobody wants to win it. It's just going to be who's left standing at the end. Who Who screws up the least? And it's still standing. And it's going to come down to the divisional games because nobody's winning the out-of-division games. Will be fun. Did want to give a shout-out to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Looks like you guys hit really well in the first round of the draft last year. Uh, Kalijah Cansey, defensive tackle from Pitt, has been playing really good football for them. Now, granted, he's, you know, teeny tiny for a defensive tackle. I just absolutely love the fact that Kalijah Cansey and Vita Vea are on the same team and play the same position. I'm using quotes for those at home listening. Uh because Vita Vea is like, you know, 350 pounds and Cansey is like pushing 280, you know, 285. Uh, but uh, Vea, Vea and Cansey have been awesome to watch on that Tampa Bay team. So uh, got some pieces there. And we also got Chris Walker coming in. I'll let Scott get a drink here. So yeah. our head coach oh acts like an idiot <laughs> and can't capitalize on a very favorable schedule. Goes from overachiever to underachiever and underperforming. That's the NFL, right? Things can change quickly. And uh, one of the most... Uh, Detrimental things can be expectation. You came in this season for the first time with expectation of performing well, and now you're underwhelming. It's not the feel-good story anymore. It's the, we better make the playoffs. Oh, this isn't what it's supposed to look like. Now we're angry. And not saying you shouldn't be angry. Don't don't twist that. This is a team that is underachieving compared and, to the and talent. Arthur Smith the doesn't do himself any favors in the media with you know, no. when he's under scrutiny. He, he just doesn't. And yeah. that stuff starts to pile on, and it, it makes a difference to ownership. Uh, who's ultimately going to uh, to make the decision on this. Um, Chris, thank you for being here. Um, Steven Krause says, holy cow, how the hell did this bull get on my feed? Because um, we're, we're awesome. That's why you, you must be you must be looking at awesome stuff and you just might not know it, but we're pretty awesome. So that's what it was. So it's good to have you, Steven. Welcome. You have any questions? Let us know. Um, and I did want to come back. There was a comment here from... Uh, Again, I don't want to spend too much time on the draft, but somebody made a comment about uh, Soulful Sin said, uh, 
how did here goes these bulldog fans talking about drafting Carson Beck the same way Falcons bulldog fans wanted Jake from please stop trying to put Georgia players on the Falcons, especially quarterbacks. I will say I was a big Jake from detractor uh, at the time because the arm talent and the athleticism and the size were not there. Carson Beck is not the same. Uh, don't fall to the old trick of they wear the same helmet. So therefore they produce the same players. Uh, Jake Fromm did not have it. Carson Beck has a very good arm. Looks like a very smart quarterback is significantly larger and uh, looks like a future NFL quarterback. Maybe not a blue chipper, so to speak, uh, but he looks like somebody who can come in and be a very good quarterback. I would not put him in the Jake Fromm category. He is a totally different type of player. Yeah, right now where the Falcons are, based on the way things are stacking up, we can totally change our minds, but second-round quarterback seems to be making the most sense. There's going to be a lot of guys there that are available that can play. Um, what about the trade up trade back? I mean, you have, you're dealing with an extra day two pick. You can get that fifth year option. If you want it, you can go up and get a guy. It could be possible you package, you know, a two and a three to move up to pick 31 and get a guy there. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm just saying yeah. with their second pick. Yes. So yeah. however, however you want to do it with their second pick, how, and, and again, um, speaking of misses, I've called Calvin Ridley out twice for mm-hmm. being, what we saw of him in Atlanta and, and following those two games, I mean, the two times I've done that, we're like, how do you have him this ranked at fantasy football? And how do you have him rank this as a free agent? I did that at the start of the season. He goes for seven catches, 103 yards and two touchdowns. I did it last week. He had eight catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. He's only got four touchdowns all year, man. So I'm going to keep calling Calvin Ridley out so that the Falcons can get that, that three right now it's going to be a third round pick based on playing time. And it would move up to a two. If they re-sign him going into last week, there was no way they were going to re-sign him. Now, all of a sudden it could still possibly happen. No way to the foul to the Jaguars re-sign Calvin Ridley. He stinks. All right. I just put it in, put it in lock for you. Just got us another second round pick for the Falcons. Yeah. And I think Ridley's had issues being the X there. Uh, he needs to play off somebody and have a little bit more of the, the out routes and whatnot. Uh, once you have somebody, I think in Atlanta, uh, for the Jags who can play that X, I think he'll be unlocked. So that's a team they traded for him. They're going to, they're going to resign him. Um, and I do appreciate Steven. Steven's not really talking crap about us, Scott. He's just not a football guy. So I, I no, appreciate he says he's not a, he's not a sports fan. That's okay. I don't care yeah. for sports. That's okay. I didn't say you did. I said, you must be looking at awesome stuff. And well, at least this guy's pretty awesome over here. So that's all it know. took. It just, it just uh, other things. We have other interests too. We're not going to talk too much about them here. You want to talk cars? I, I like cars. This is your guy for Pokemon over here. So we have all those things. If you want to come out um, to Washington and do a hike, uh, hit me up. I'll tell you, I traveled. I think I put about 300 miles in this year, Scott, uh, backpacking and hiking. So uh, that's any questions out here. I can help you out with that. Um, famous line. He stinks. That's my PG version of what I normally say, Ryan. So it gets worse. I think, I think Brian said cranky Scott is my favorite Scott. Oh, I'm cranky. A lot of times. That's why I need these shows. They, they get me up a little bit every once in a while. I, uh, I let my normal angry Scott out curmudgeon <laughs> get off my lawn. Talk the curmudgeon Scott. Yeah. Um, Michael Thomas, another Falcons killer out. Um, I asked him yesterday because I haven't watched them enough. How big of a loss is this? You know, as far as I know, I haven't watched. I watched like one game of the Saints against the Colts, and that was a good game. And 
I, I haven't, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at numbers. Okay. They're ranked this they're doing this they're doing this. Well, I've seen some highlights of Derek Carr, but I haven't really watched them. So I don't want to come in and say, Oh yeah, Michael Thomas. And, and they were like, no, no, no. He's starting to play really well. He's been playing really well. This is a big loss. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, that's uh that starts to, that starts to matter a little bit. Um, David Anyamata, um, revenge game. Hopefully he's back. That's uh, losing Grady and Anyamata is a huge loss for this team. If there's one place they can afford it where it wouldn't be totally devastating on the defense, it might be interior line. Huggins has done a job. They brought in Contavious Street. He's doing a job. They can run waves of bodies in there on the interior line to help make up for the disruption that Grady Jarrett and David Anyamata bring. Replicated, but not replaced, right? I think like losing Grady, it's not just the because you have competent guys out there. You're but starting the to realize how freaking good Grady Jarrett is. I mean, I I've loved Grady since his Clemson days. Uh, I was banging the table that time, um, and he's very good. They're just a defensive tackles, I think, that are bring a little bit more at this point. But uh, but how, but how much he means, how good he is, means how much he brings to this team, and how much better they are with him. Kind of like an MVP versus okay, this guy has the better stats. But this guy really means more to the team. Yeah, Brady Jarrett is more. the heartbeat of this Falcons team, frankly, franchise right now. Yeah, he's been unbelievable and uh, really sad to miss him. I'm glad to see him get some flowers this week too, Scott. I tried to help uh, sh- share the news too, but uh, did you see the Jalen Carter dive try to intercept the spike pass? And he was like, oh my God, I've never seen this before. I'm like, Grady Jarrett did this in 2017 versus the... Oh God, I do not remember who it was. It was called false start on the other team. So it didn't count, but he actually like dove under the legs of the center and caught the ball before the spike happened. Grady Jarrett's so good. Jalen Carter is Grady Jarrett at 6'4", 320 pounds. (laughs) He's more Chris Jones. Just the size and the fluidity. I mean, I saw him like, this is Chris Jones. uh, Red Swarm, circling back, asked me about Justin Fields. Uh, For the record, in 2021... I wanted trade back. Justin Fields was my, my first choice. If you're going to take that pick trade back was my third choice. Penny Sewell was my fourth choice. Um, that's where I would have gone the next year. Uh, I would have gone Kyle Hamilton in the eight spot at safety. I know it's not a premium pick at safety. Neither is running back and tight end uh, Atlanta kid. Kyle Hamilton went to Marist. There was a big need for safety. As we found out when the Falcons spent $30 million on Jesse Bates, and could have been a face of the defense. So I wanted Kyle Hamilton. Last year, I wanted Jalen Carter. So my my first round picks, as they were taken for this team and under this regime, would have been uh, Justin Fields, Kyle Hamilton, Jalen Carter. So whether that that makes the team better or not, I don't hide from that. I don't regrade and reassess and, and draft on hindsight. That's that's the history behind that one. Now, um, Taquan Graham, where's he been? He's been a bit of a ghost. Get, trying to get healthy and that's he was he was playing really well last year and then lost a year to a knee injury and if it it's probably been i think he didn't get hurt in the bears game did he was at week 11 so it's been just about a full year since taquan graham did a knee so he should be getting back to close to 100 towards the back half of the season mm-hmm I mean, it was probably everybody's different, right? For that, but uh, he's one that should get the benefit of the doubt this season, and hopefully, he'll be healthy next year. 
uh, for this team, but he was playing really good football last season before that injury. So you always hate to see that, uh, but you know, get healthy and uh, kind of a soft red shirt year in 2023 for him. We got Zach powers talking about Kyle Hamilton here. Yeah, Hamilton was a little bit of a dimebacker type for the, uh, the Ravens last season, this year, he started to really emerge uh, for them. One thing that uh, did want to give a shout out to the main defensive coordinator that I said, the Falcons should maybe hunt after in uh, Mike McDonald there. He's been doing unbelievable work for the, Fa- uh, for the Ravens and finding a Swiss army knife who can do, I mean, cause Kyle Hamilton's got borderline linebacker size uh, out there. So the ability to rush him and do a bunch of different things with him have made them Really fun, Scott. Cover your ears, but I think the data says that the Falcons are the, or excuse me, God, Ravens are the number one team in the NFL in simulated pressure use um, because they have so many different types of bodies on that defensive front that they can use. Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, really great athletes too. So their ability to um, blitz like and the hide Vikings would be up there just because of their scheme. They put nine guys on the line and then guess they what's going to happen. But they blitz so much that it's not fake blitzing. Yeah, it's not the simulated where it's still when it's simulated, it's four guys at the end. But who's coming and going? Mm-hmm. Right. That's the big one. And you're, you're not cheating, but you are using pass rushing or pass blocking rules against teams to free up guys. And they've been pretty awesome uh, at that this season. So keep an eye out on Mike McDaniel, uh, Mike McDonald out there for Baltimore. I would be surprised if he was not a head coach next year. Yeah, Red Swarm uh, coming over the super. He says thanks for circling back, Scott. My pleasure. Again, I wanted to I, I wanted to get back on that. Uh, I, I once had somebody ask me when I was doing recruiting rankings for a long time. Uh, you know, who are you accountable to, Scott? I'm like, well, you. I'm, I'm accountable to you. I'm accountable to um, if I, I I don't say anything on here that I wouldn't say to someone face to face. I expect to run into somebody and say, well, you didn't think I was going to be very good. Apologies, you were great. Um, you know, I, I don't say anything out of anger or, or meanness, call it like I see it, try and be honest. And I'm accountable to whoever I'm talking about and whoever I'm talking to, I'm accountable to guys like you. So thank you very much, Red Swarm. I appreciate you being here. Um, we're at 65 minutes. Let's get out of here. Let's finish up with a prediction. Uh, the New Orleans Saints at the Atlanta Falcons, the Falcons are one point favorites. And ESPN gives it almost a 60-40 chance of winning to the New Orleans Saints in uh, in, in Mercedes-Benz this weekend. Uh, how do you think this one plays out? I think the team with the better quarterback in the end wins. So I think the Saints will probably get it done. They just match up so well defensively against what the Falcons want to do. And this is a Falcons team that I think is very emotionally unstable. I think that they need success early. And if things don't work out, I don't know if they have the internal fortitude to have the faith and continue to go out there. I don't know if they have the ability to grind like the saints are going to make you grind in this game. So I think the saints end up winning this game. It's good. I think it's, it'll be ugly. I'm guessing something like 20 to 13 in the end. Um, but uh, I do think the saints win. We'll see what happens with Ritter. I mean, he's the wild card here. He's been off for a bit. If he just cleans up those damn turnovers, uh, you should be good enough to keep it close. And when that happens, you know, coin flip games. Uh, but uh, I do think that the Saints win this one, a really ugly one uh, in the end, which is fine. I think ugly football is beautiful. Again, okay. Iowa Hawkeye fan here. I don't ugly ugly win can ugly yes. win can certainly work. You wanna you wanna ugly this one up. It's certainly not going to be a gunslinger unless Jameis Winston's playing. He comes in and starts playing like Jameis Winston against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, but I uh. I, I went a little bit different route. Um, I think I said 21-20 last night. And then I was like, well, that, that can't be right. 
um, because you're not going to shut out Young Way Koo. And then they joked like, well, the Falcons kicked seven field goals. I'm like, bingo, there it was. Um, I'm going with the home team on this one. I think that one makes a difference. I predicted at the beginning of the season a split for the Saints and Falcons. I'm, I'm kind of still there. And I would go with the home team coming off the bye. I know the Saints are coming off a bye too. Falcons really needed this bye, really needed it. And we'll find out one of the hallmarks of an Arthur Smith team is these guys have played hard. We'll find out if this team is still behind Arthur Smith on Sunday, and we'll know quickly. And if they're not, it's time to go because he's not a good enough schematic guy. Uh, you know, brain, you know, he's not the brains of the outfit. He's a he's more of a a motivator, a man manager, et cetera, et cetera. And if, if that part of his resume goes away, then his seat's going to be on freaking fire. Um, I think 19 to 17, something a little odd with a score in there. There's going to be a bunch of field goals. And um, I do, I, I like the home team on this one, which is really bad news for the, the Atlanta Falcons that I just picked them to win. On that note, we're going to get out of here, y'all. It is Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. Want to say a special thank you to our Super Chat superstars today. That was Michael coming in hot, breaking the ice and kicking us off. Anonymous reviewer, appreciate you. Brian Dunn with the support as well. Rusty Moore Jr. and Red Swarm. Thanks to each and every one of you that helps keep the lights on. Um, appreciate you as a special shout out. If you haven't or can or don't feel like contributing financially, that's okay. We appreciate you being here. But do something nice and easy. Hit that like and share button. That helps us out a lot to help reach more Falcons fans and continue to grow this show, which has been on a very nice trajectory through uh, the course of the season because of people like you. Uh, Nick, any last words before we get out of here for Thanksgiving? Uh, just everyone have a good one tomorrow. Enjoy all the football games. Uh, stay safe. Have fun with the family. Thankful for all you guys coming in here. Uh, thankful just, you know, in general, everybody have health. Uh, I always like to say on my, the Broncos shows when I close out, uh, choose compassion and kindness. But with Thanksgiving, you know, holiday spirit, uh, do just want to emphasize that as well. You know, a lot of people, you don't know what they're going through in life. Uh, so step back. If you can be compassionate and just be kind, uh, that's enough. Yeah, that's always a, a good thought. I like hearing that from Nick. We do shows pretty much every day, five days a week. And I like hearing Nick say that at the end of all of our shows. Thank you for being here. Have a great Thanksgiving weekend, everybody. Uh, enjoy the football. Enjoy your family. And uh, stay safe, everyone. We want to see you back here on Monday. We'll break down the Saints and the Falcons. Hopefully for Falcons fans, it is a victory Monday. Y'all have a great Thanksgiving. We appreciate you being here.